yes, I question my decisions more now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's difficult to do these days when so much uh, emphasis is placed on speed over accuracy. You know, right? We all are expected to do so much in any given day. And so it's easy and we want to just make a decision and move on. And I have learned to sort of pause and question and and ask myself, was that the right decision? What was it based on? You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. Coming to you from the studios at Arlington Independent Media, I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. This is a show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. If you're human, you're biased. Now what? That's the tagline for a documentary called Bias, which is racking up awards on the film festival circuit right now. We swim in a toxic soup of biases every day. Sexual harassment, racial profiling, the pay gap. As humans, we're biased, but most of us won't admit it, even if we are conscious of it, which we're probably not. We make snap judgments, and we're almost completely unaware of the impact our assumptions have on our own actions, not to mention on the people around us. The film Bias follows filmmaker Robin Hauser on her journey to uncover her hidden biases and explore how unconscious bias defines relationships, workplaces, our judicial system, and technology. Bias poses a powerful question. Can we de-bias our brains? Credit goes to my WERA colleague Kevin Sampson for spotting this as an especially promising curiosity conversation. Hey, everybody. This is Kevin Sampson, producer and host of Picture Lock. Picture Lock is a film talk show that airs on WERA 96.7. Since this is Choose to be Curious, around the end of 2017, I realized on my show that I was talking with a lot more female directors when it was film festival time. But outside of that, uh, my scope and knowledge of female directors in my own network um, was not that wide. So I linked up with an organization called Film Fatale. And this organization supports an inclusive community of women feature film and television directors. So it was through Film Fatale that I was able to connect with Robin Hauser and her documentary, Bias. Now, it was apparent to me from seeing the trailer that there's a lot of curiosity that Robin had about herself and the whole tagline of just, if you're human, you're biased, now what? Just exudes an inherent amount of curiosity. So in my mind, I was like, I definitely need to link Robin and Lynn together because while the conversation for me would definitely be about film and the film itself and some of that curiosity that led her to shoot the documentary, I felt like Lynn would be able to go down a a longer path in the conversation of curiosity than I could. So I am as excited, probably not more than you guys, to hear this conversation between Lynn and Robin about curiosity as it pertains to bias. Thanks, Lynn. No, thank you, Kevin. 
My guest is award-winning filmmaker, producer, and director of Bias, Robin Hauser. Welcome, Robin. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So you have said, as a documentarian, you have flexibility to be curious and to explore. So that's an obvious reason to be here. Tell me more. Well, I think one thing about um, documentary filmmaking that's so incredibly liberating is that I get to ask questions all the time and I get to learn new things all the time. So I can choose to make a film about pretty much anything, assuming I can get funding to make it, um, and then just explore, explore um, why somebody is the way they are. You know, for instance, with this film, Bias, it fascinated me why humans are biased and and how does that influence us our choices you know in the modern day world yeah yeah so you you specialize in cause-based documentary films what inspired this film in particular well so this film follows a film that i made that was called that's called code debugging the gender gap which is about the lack of diversity in tech and I traveled all over the world with that film and still doing um, screenings of that film. And I, one of the things I started hearing in post-screening discussions was this term unconscious bias. And I thought, mm-hmm. that's interesting. You know, what is unconscious bias? Or is it possible even? And um, implicit bias, what, what does that term mean? And the more I looked into it, the more I thought that it could be that unconscious bias is something that's really at the root of a lot of the isms, so to speak, that plague our society, right? Sexism, racism, ageism. Uh, So I began to look into it. And uh, I was fascinated by the fact that, you know, as humans, we are biased because it's it's a survival technique, right? And yet, do we really need that now? I mean, we used to live in tribes and we didn't mingle. We didn't really, we were, we were naturally suspicious of people that didn't look like us, that weren't like us. And that was a protectionary thing. It's sort of a heuristic tendency. Um, and yet now there are, you know, we're a society that um, has many, many different types of people living together in the in same communities. And so if we still have these natural bias tendencies, how are they helping us or how are they our forward movement. Well, and as I was watching the film, which I loved, by the way, and I feel so privileged to have seen at this point, I was struck by the number of places where you were asking those questions and sort of stepping back from it. And uh, as you say in the tagline, you know, we're human, we're biased, now what? But also sort of, what do I do with this? Um, How can this be me? Where does this come from? What do I do with it? So... You kind of curiosity brought you into this exploration. Does curiosity help bring you out of it? Well, that's a really interesting question. Uh, I'll tell you one of the most fascinating things that I learned um, about unconscious bias is that very few of us believe that we are biased. In fact, when I was doing people on the street interviews, almost everybody that I interviewed when I said, you know, what is unconscious bias and can you share a bias that you are aware of that you might have? I would say 99% of the people I interviewed said that they were very open-minded, they believe they're fair, they really didn't have biases. And then my follow-up question was always, well, what about your friends and family? Do you see mm-hmm. them as biased? Are they biased sometimes? Every one of them said, <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. Uh-huh. So 
interesting. David Rock uh, says that just like you can't do two math problems in your head at once, it's it's that difficult. We are unable to see that we are being biased. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I thought that one of the things that was so impressive about the film was your uh, your willingness to kind of put yourself into the story and put your own implicit unconscious bias on display and i that mm-hmm. level of vulnerability was was impressive and i thought also very persuasive because uh it's easy to imagine any of us sort of being in exactly that place of like ooh ouch i didn't even know this was there right well i mean that was a decision that we as a team made about three or four months into filming. Mm. And I was interviewing Tony Greenwald and Majran Banaji, the two co-authors of the Implicit Association Test that anybody can take online through through Harvard's website. Um, and I realized, I sort of had this moment when I thought, here I am, you know, a white woman. I grew up in Pacific Heights in San Francisco. You know, how fortunate am I? And who am I to tell this story unless mm-hmm. I'm willing to expose my own biases? And really talk about curiosity. I, I wanted to know, wow, what biases do I have that I'm not aware of? Yeah. yeah. I might know that I'm, I might know that I'm frightened uh, by Doberman pincers, right, or something. But, but what, what don't I know about myself? And so we turned the camera on me. And I mean, I, for me, that was one of the most fascinating things. Um, I was completely shocked. No, I'm a, I'm a feminist. I'm an equalist. I'm a womanist. In all the best, I think, uh, possible definitions of those words. And so when Tony Greenwald said to me, let's take the implicit association test um, on gender and career, mm-hmm. I, said to, I said to him, oh, no, I'd rather do the one on race. Mm-hmm. He said, no, no, let, let's just start with the one on career. And I said, all right. And my director of photography said, should I turn the cameras on? And Tony said, oh, yeah. It was that simple, huh? <laughs> wow. And so I said, I said, all right, well, let's do this. And I was completely surprised yeah. to learn that the test said that I had a strong association for women and family and men and career. Yeah. yeah. I thought there was something wrong with the test. I wanted them to, you know, I wanted to do it again. And I, as you saw in the film, I, I went You did it a couple of times, right? <laughs> I didn't know. I actually had not known until then that there was a test on the on the career, you know, kind of gender and career. I had done the ones on some of the uh, race based, um, mm-hmm. and I um, I confess I haven't done the career one yet. <laughs> but I w- I will put links to it on the Facebook page for the show because I think people should be interested in that opportunity. And oh, that, absolutely. And, absolutely. And to sort of ask the question that you asked about, or, or, you know, what you said about sort of trying to understand the basis of my understanding and assumptions was what led you on this journey. Like, where did this come from? How deeply embedded is it? And that, of course, led you, or maybe it's more, it came first, the whole artificial intelligence and sort of the building in of bias. And take a moment, if you will, and and talk about that, because I think that's also a really interesting question about sort of like, whoa, this is really yeah. powerful, and it's really dangerous when we don't understand how powerful and hidden it is, I guess. Right. So the, the way that I 
thought through this was, okay, I understand now that humans are always going to be biased to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. We have to work really hard to implement almost just protocol and structure to try to make ourselves not biased, right? And that's a whole different conversation. But so I thought, well, okay, maybe artificial intelligence is the answer. Maybe artificial intelligence could be this this super tool that would strip us from, from harmful bias. And what I learned as I dug deeper was that artificial intelligence is already biased because right. humans are the ones programming it. And there are several different ways that artificial intelligence can become biased, but whether it's through trolls and malicious intent or whether it's through sloppiness, somebody just not really thinking clearly about, you know, that they might be assuming that a doctor is a man, for example, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or by just, just uh, you know, perpetuating stereotypical biases into it. For instance, even through word embedding, right, uh, computers are taught to make associations between words. So if the word nurse is most often associated with female pronouns, then the computer is going to make that assumption first. And I think that that's really, it's really problematic. Um, And what you see is that if you put skewed data into artificial intelligence or biased data into artificial intelligence, and then through word embedding um, and through deep learning, rather, these algorithms start writing their own algorithms. And so this skewed data becomes baked in really deep into artificial intelligence. And before you know it, you might run a program saying, show me all the qualified candidates for surgeon. And the computer could, you know, limit that just to men because it's made the assumption that all surgeons are male. Yeah, yeah. So this is interesting to me because I'm I'm also interested in the work of Donald Sull and Kathleen Eisenhart on simple rules where, you know, sort of what trying to distill what are the simple rules that govern our actions or that could govern our decision making instead of complex sort of structures. What are what are some very, very simple ones? And in some ways biases are simple rules. They're ways that we have absorbed <laughs> to to make decisions about things, to make choices about how we behave or how we react in the face of something. And as you say, a kind of a survival heuristic of, of a very human sort. And so then I think, well, choose to be curious is a kind of simple rule as well. Do you think choose to be curious is a kind of simple rule that could be built into artificial intelligence? Well, let's see, that's a really interesting question. Um, I think anything's possible, and I think I think it's almost easier to put choose to be curious into a human, right? Like, yeah. my interpretation of that would be, okay, I like, I just interviewed five people, and I really like Sarah best. And most of us, through like-me bias, would mm-hmm. just choose Sarah then. I understand her. She grew up in this similar neighborhood as I did. She went to a recognizable school. Uh, She's also a runner. Okay, I like Sarah. I'm going to go with that. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the sort of choose to be curious in terms of trying to cure unconscious bias would be, wait, stop for a second and think, why do I want to hire Sarah? Is she really the best candidate in all things? Is it like me bias? Is it because she's like me that I want to hire her? Or is she truly the best candidate? And so if we could, that's really one of the only ways, uh, one of the ways they think right now anyway, that we know of, 
to mitigate bias um, is to stop and think about why you just made that snap decision. Yeah, the sort of what question your gut. It? Right, to question your gut, which is crazy, right? We've all been taught to go with our gut. So right. now we're saying, okay, question your gut and think carefully about what decisions led to that and, are, and do they matter? Yeah. Are, they, are they worthy um, reasons, right? So if we could teach artificial intelligence to think that way, if we could teach artificial intelligence to say, okay, here's the result that came up. Now, is that the right result? Did mm-hmm. that come from the right data? And, and I don't know that we're there yet. In fact, I'm pretty certain we're not. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that you, you see that one of the m- most concerning things, I think, is, are these predictive algorithms that are beginning to be, they're being used in courtrooms. They have been used in courtrooms for, for decades now. And if judges are using these tools to help aid in their decision-making about um, parole, or about whether even to incarcerate somebody or not. But the data that is put into these, into these predictive algorithms is historical data. Yeah. And in, if you're in a society like we are in our judicial system in the United States, the criminal justice system has been you know, plagued with racial bias for years. So we're just perpetuating racial bias by using these predictive algorithms because they're using data that shows that you know, as we know, black men are incarcerated for the same crimes five times more often than a white man. Well, and I thought what you said uh, about using artificial intelligence, you know, do we want to be building systems that are based on the biases of the past or building towards something in the future that isn't right. like that was really such a terrific way of kind of capturing the the problem, the fallacy in the reasoning of, well, we'll just use current data and that will give us good guidance because it's, you know, if your data is not representative, if your data is skewed, then it kind of calcifies that mindset, doesn't it? Well, that's, I, I mean, I think that's exactly right. And that's what's frightening. It, mm-hmm. when, when, if you do a, a search, I had a conversation with um, a very, very intelligent software engineer. And I said to him, you know, well, here's a problem. Google the word grandma for image search and look what comes up. And they're predominantly older white women. Mm -hmm. And I, Mm -hmm. by the way, was in the Middle East and I asked them to Google the word grandma in Arabic. And predominantly older white women popped up. Really? Oh, yeah. So when I said to them, do any of these images look like your grandmother? Uh Uh-huh. And I was in a high school, and the kids all shook their head no. Right. So the, but, the, but, but the mindset of this is, well, when I was talking to the software engineer about this Google search, I, he said to me, well, if there was more demand, if society demanded more diversity in these images, we would have it. So in other words, this is what the input is. Oh, this wow. is and as you hear, garbage in, garbage out, yeah. right? So he says that there's no pressure, really, for more diversity. And that gets back to my point, which is, do we need governance to ensure that data input is fair and accurate? Yeah, yeah. So I recently had a conversation, did a show with a professor at American University, um, the, the premise of which is that curiosity is political. And I know that you received the 2016 National Political Women's Caucus President's 
Award. And I'm wondering, do you think that curiosity is political, particularly in this context? You know, I I believe that I was granted that award because I have been making films that propel women and, you know, that are aimed at trying to inspire young women um, and to inspire more older women to be role models. Mm-hmm. It, it really didn't. I am not a, str- a, a strong political person. I obviously have my political views. Uh, you know, I think there's lots of bias in our political system. <laughs> but um, but I, that was not awarded to me because of any um, political work that I have been doing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. You've said, you know, the tagline, if you're human, you're biased. Now what? Do you have what you would consider, given maybe given this conversation, because you may not have thought of it before, but do you have something that you would consider a curiosity-driven practice that you've personally adopted as a result of working on bias? I would say that I, yes, I question my decisions more now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's difficult to do these days when so much, uh, emphasis is placed on speed over accuracy. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, you know, right? We all are expected to do so much in any given day, and so it's easy, and we want to just make a decision and move on. And I have learned to sort of pause and question and and ask myself, was that the right decision? What was it based on? And I also think that it's made me turn to people around me and hopefully diverse people around me, people that are different than me, and say, what do you think about this decision? Mm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's one way that's helping. So I I do think about things differently all the time, and I wonder about other people. You know, why did they make that choice? Was that the right choice? Can I learn from that from that decision? But I will tell you that I am not cured of bias by any means, and um, it's something that will influence me forever. But because I'm human, mm-hmm. but I will say that I do believe that I approach life a little differently, and I certainly think about things differently since I made this film. And I and I hope that anybody that watches the film. Uh, we'll feel that way too. Yeah. So, how can people watch the film? How do they? How do they find you? How do they find the film? What's next for Bias? Yeah. So, Bias is on the film festival circuit, which is exciting. We'll be going to the Mill Valley Film Festival, which is one of the oldest film festivals, and that will be our California premiere. So, that's in Northern California. We will then be going to. Um, let's see. I'm going to be screening also something called. Call to Action Showcase, which is in Santa Barbara, and that is at the end of this month. So all of these um, film festivals are listed on biasfilm.com. I'm also doing private corporate screenings and conference screenings, so if anybody was interested in that or having me come speak, they could just look at our, you know, contact me through our website, again, biasfilm.com. Or send me a LinkedIn message. And people keep asking me, well, when can they see the movie? And I'm like, I, you know, I don't know. You're going to have to sit tight. I'm, I'm building yeah, demand. It will, <laughs> it, well, thank you. That's wonderful. It, we, we will um, launch distribution sometime in 2019. And oh, good. So it, it, it should be up on um, on Amazon and uh, Netflix. and But but not not yet. It'll, not yet. Um, we'll wait. Until, we have to get off the 
uh, film festival circuit first. So maybe next summer. Great, great. And I will put links to all of that on my Facebook page as well. The the trailer is terrific. And I think uh, your website provides some really nice information about your work in general. Happy to make that available to people. Well, Robin, thank you. Thank you so much for this conversation. Lynn, thank you. It's it's been fascinating. I love what you do. And I think um, it's a real gift for people that are curious, um, to be curious, to continue to be curious, because there's so much to learn. Um, and I think it's a really great way to have more empathy. Oh, good. Well, thank you. And thank you, listeners. You've been listening to WERA 96.7 FM. If you joined us late or want to catch up on this or any of the other great shows here on Radio Arlington, check us out online and on demand at WERA.FM. You can hear all my previous shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, and Facebook, all at Choose to be Curious, and on my website at ChooseToBeCurious.com. I hope you'll follow me there and on Twitter, which is at Choose Number Two Letter B Curious. Many thanks to my guest, filmmaker Robin Hauser. Links to Finish Line Features, a great TED Talk that Robin did on how we can protect AI from bias, and of course, the trailer for Bias, all on my Facebook page. Special thanks to the incomparable Kevin Sampson for putting me in touch with Robin. Kevin was one of my first instructors at AIM, and I feel like he's had my back and has been choosing to be curious ever since. All right, Lynn. So one of the questions that I always ask on my show, which I'm going to ask on yours, but flip it a bit. Okay. When did you first fall in love with curiosity? Uh, I should have anticipated this. Um, I guess I don't remember because I don't know that there was ever a point in my life that I didn't love curiosity. You know, I think I was raised in an environment that really encouraged curiosity. Not everybody is, but I definitely was. And um, and at various points, for various different reasons, different parts of curiosity have really spoken to me. And eventually that led me to radio. Go figure. <laughs> this is actually a really interesting conversation to sort of talk to people about curiosity. And what's been interesting about it is they have kind of your reaction. It's like curiosity. <laughs> like, huh? But then when people start drilling into it, they have amazing things to say they didn't even realize were there. I think a lot of um, the challenges that we face today uh, are rooted in deep lack of curiosity Mm -hmm. about other people's experiences. Mm -hmm. You know, what if white people got the least bit curious about what it's like to live black in this country, you know, driving while black. I mean, it's just right, right. white people don't want to think about those things. They don't want to be curious about it because the answers are scary to them. Right. Well, you don't get good at that unless you practice that muscle some. If we are encouraged and we build strength at asking questions out of caring, I think we build a much more powerful, much more resilient society. Be sure to tune in for Picture Lock here on WERA, Friday afternoons at 3. I've got a link to his interview with Robin, again, on my Facebook page. Check it out. Thanks to Sean Ballack for my theme music. And finally, special thanks to all of you who supported WERA and Arlington Independent Media in our recent fund drive. We couldn't do this without your support. And if you missed the fund drive but still want to chip in to support fabulous and wholly independent community media, we'll happily take your donation at WERA.FM. Thank you. I hope you'll join me again next time. And until then, choose to be curious. Choose to be Curious is sponsored in part by realtor Christine Hopkins. 
Curious about real estate? Christine works with clients from around the world using her time and knowledge to build community. As she likes to say, community engagement has always been my big why. Working in real estate has helped me express that. What makes you part of a community more than living there? For more information, visit facebook.com slash Nova House Hunter. Funding for Choose to be Curious on WERA 96.7 FM is provided in part by the Center for Parents and Teens, where families are strengthened through a connection built through positive communication, mutual understanding, and realistic expectations of one another. For more information, visit www.centerforparentsandteens.com.